TFS, episode number 67. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. This is Greg Duncan. And this is Paul Hacker. Well, guys, another show. What do we got for you today? I think we got a lot of 2013 goodness coming. Wow, well, that's good. <laughs> I, mean, I was in Redmond last week uh, doing some stuff for it, getting ready for the old uh, you know, release of 2013 and things. It's been a busy, a busy time for us. How about you, Greg? I hear you've got some new toys. Yeah, I'm one of the, the lucky 10 who's got doing the Intel Haswell hardware review, uh, Ultrabook reviews. So we've got that. Uh, um, got this through uh, Code Project, um, Developer Media, my advertiser on the blog. Wow. And, uh, you know, when, when you're lumped in the same boat as Scott Hanselman, you know, you, you know you're going someplace. Now, you know, if I, I was only <clears throat> an MVP, then, you know, my life would be nearly complete. But we won't go there. We won't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. not being an MVP. Dude, you got a free laptop. All you get as an MVP <laughs> is like a piece of Perspex with MVP written on it. So, you know, and of course, honor and the bragging, bragging rights of you know, with all your friends. But apart from that, you don't actually get, you don't like, like toys anymore. That's a laptop. Yeah. How are you finding it? That's true. And actually, I like it. Um, it's an engineering, you know, reference design. So um, when you get one that works, they work pretty good. Uh, I'm on my third device. Um, and this third one seems to be working pretty well. Uh, so these are not ones you can buy. These are these are these are like handmade things, you know. Correct. Just, correct. They're definitely okay. limited. Um, limited run you know their engineering references they've got like every device in the known universe in them they're not wow. upgradable in any way so that, that's the kind of the downside of it is that the, mm-hmm. it's only four gig of ram which seems silly uh 128 gig ssd which kind of seems a little bit silly but the ultrabook the weight i swear the thing weighs you know if you do it hand by hand the same as a um surface pro tablet it's really light the battery the haswell stuff oh that is pretty darn awesome i I actually literally go all day using it for web for music streaming um from when i leave the house in the morning taking the train here all day here taking the train home uh Mm -hmm. and by the time i'm home it's usually about 20 percent and and we're recording on it now so it's it's pretty nifty and i haven't put eight one on it yet because i'm there's some driver concerns Uh, but the touch touch really is an awesome alternate input device you know when Mm -hmm. you're on the train and you're normally at the desk keyboard mouse pad is fine Um, but when you're on the train and you say you're like limited um, seat you don't get a table you have to sit in a chair having the touch screen and being able to use it is awesome you know there's just sometimes when reaching out and touching the screen is just easier than reaching over to the mouse and moving the mouse and that kind of stuff so um, I, I, I really think touch is going to be, it's here to stay in a laptop kind of uh, mm-hmm. environment. And, you know, once you get used to it, you hate going back to a device without it. The best thing I like doing with touch is unlocking the screen. People love that. When you sat on next to an airplane and you just go up to your computer and you go, Whoosh! and then type, oh, it's like you're in the future. It's like you're hot in the DeLorean. It's brilliant. It really is amazing. People, and you see people look around and go, what did, what did he just do? It's really great. <laughs> and then the other thing I love Touch for is for moving cards around on the dashboard, in, on the taskboard in, in TFS. It's just great. I just sit there all day just moving tasks around just cause, and feeding work item changed events into the team room because of, uh, you know, because it's just brilliant. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's great. But um, what, I, what I have noticed, though, is that you, you're using the Touch and that's good. But then I just love the ability to be able to... Um, go to the precision of a mouse when you need it right. you know um there's been a few times where uh what were we doing i can't remember oh i think it was um 
I think my wife was trying to update like the uh, profile picture on Facebook or something, and she was using the web interface on. Um, she was using. We've got an iPad in the house. She was using the the web interface on the iPad, and it was really annoying her because she couldn't. She couldn't. It just was blocking at this particular point where she was trying to set the profile picture, and she couldn't figure out what's going on. It was really confusing. So then we, um, you know, being again, this is definitely with Greg and his, uh, you know, onto his third engineering sample Haswell laptop. <laughs> And it, that, that's that's the first full problem for you. And then here's here's me with me. That's why I pull from the side of the sofa, you know, the the Surface Pro, my Surface Pro. Well, oh, let's just do it on my computer. Oh, um, and uh, you know, and she's updating the Facebook picture, and she gets to the same page, and uh, you have to actually uh, drag and move like a cropping square in. You know, it hasn't been coded for like a touch touch in in mind. So you've got this cropping square, but you have to drag around. It's like, oh, you drag that around. Well. I'll fold back my keyboard and I've got a mouse boot into it and then we can do it there. And it's, ah, oh. I was like, win. There we go. So yeah, it's great. And then and the battery life really is impressive then, is it? It's very impressive. It, it really is. There's some irritating things with it though. You know, A, besides being the third one, um, the keyboard, I really hate the keyboard because the home page up, down, end, you have to hold the function key to get those. They're not discrete That's keys. That's just, again, engineering sample. Exactly, exactly. And there's a thing with a fan. The fan spins up and down like randomly, loudly whenever you start doing stuff. But the the idea, the technology in it that has, well, I would never, at this point, if I would not spend a penny on any device that wasn't either has Haswell or you know the new Bay Trail, the new um, mm. portable chipset from Intel, but uh, cool. it's definitely sold me on that. So yeah, great, awesome. and you 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 don't you don't have any of those uh, problems then, Paul? Nobody sent you any, any secret engineering samples and things to play with, right? No, no, of course not. I'm an MVP. We don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> we get water Only bottles, T-shirts. Woo-hoo. You get water bottles, T-shirts, and the respect of your friends and colleagues. <laughs> That's, That's true. Sweet. I must say, I absolutely love the MVP program. So, yeah, yep. <laughs> oh, nice. Don't you guys anyway, get a subscription? Uh, yeah, you yes, do, we yes. do. We get the That's ultimate the subscription. That's great. No, that's right. That's what, um, and it, it was even because uh, we get we get them in inside Microsoft as well, but we we didn't for a long time. And so for a while inside Microsoft, I was still using my M- MVP MSDN subscription. You know, before it ran out when we moved over. So uh, yeah, I, that, that was what that is. Is definitely one of the highlights of being in the MVP program, getting access to all the toys. And you get to go to the summit. You're on the NDA. Yeah, now. yeah. Well, we've been planning summit out recently as well. So it's ex- anyway, what? right. Let's do the news. Eh? So <laughs> oh, we, we, we have a show to do. Oh. Yeah, I guess it's, 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 people, the listeners don't realize this is our opportunity of the week to actually chat and catch up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So um, the, we we did you know we've been busy carrying on the trend. We've actually done some more releases. We uh, shipped the power tools, yay for TFS 2013. So uh, the power tools, as you know, uh, pretty much essential. So the the release of these power tools has been written targeted against the RC, but um, we don't anticipate shipping another version before RTM. That, that's a you know a classic get out clause. But as far as we're concerned, they work against RTM. But uh, if something happens, then you know obviously we'll fix it. But uh, at the minute, we think these are going to be the RC and RTM power tools. And um, all the power tools you know and love are in there, especially the one that I've actually had quite a few requests for, probably because you know they're related to me, is the build extensions for TFS 2013. So if you want to do your Java builds against TFS 2013 server, using a TFS 2013 build controller then you can now using uh, using the power tools as well as all the other goodness like the TFPT command line and of course um, 
the uh, the shell extensions, uh, which is great. And for those lovers of um, MATLAB 64-bit, if you want your 64-bit uh, MISCI provider that works against Visual Studio 2013 and you don't have an older version of Visual Studio installed on your machine, then you can do that as well now. So all good. Well, awesome. Have you guys played with them? Uh, yeah, I'm using them. Been using you, I would time, expect. Eh? How about you, Greg? Um, I mean, I always use the uh, the, the power tools you know, when they do the process template editor. I mean, uh, that, that's just a must. Uh, and I've been using the storyboards a lot. You know, I think at one point I kind of during our you know, a few years ago, whatever, um, I, I kind of poo pooed the storyboard thing. Mm-hmm. I just quite couldn't understand it. But now I, I use it every project that I spec out. I'm using the storyboards, um, and it just works great so so the storyboard itself isn't a power tool but you're talking about the the shape tool to help you create you know more shapes with custom resize logic and that correct correct okay yeah yep nice super yeah no um i know with quite a few people that um the powershell commandlets have been getting a bit more popular as well so yeah it's uh exciting and then we mentioned it in a previous show um but as Greg found out to um, to his his what's the word? To, as Greg learned recently <laughs> in an earlier episode, <laughs> to BPA, uh, practice, yeah, yeah, exactly. The best practice <laughs> analyzer is the way to go because that just tells you anything that's wrong with your server. So um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and if you're going to do an um, when it comes to doing like the the RC to RTM upgrade, it pays to just run the um, the BPA on it, the best practice analyzer on it first, just to make sure you know your server's in a healthy state before you do any upgrades, and then run it afterwards as well and make sure it's still in a healthy state so cool sure sure well that's cool so um i don't know about you guys but i've been a little busy i'm sure you all are but um i've been um working with a customer with an interesting problem and um there's a lot of solutions already out there but one of the solutions they wanted was um the ability to version their assemblies by an incremental number that they decide on so for example they release full-blown releases and, and and they use even Build um assembly numbers, uh, version numbers, and then when they do a patch, they use odd numbers, and they want to mm. be able in the build to be able to stamp their assemblies with their particular you know build major minor build and revision numbers, and then increment them by whatever value they want. And and so um they also wanted to not be able to store the assembly files, the assembly info files that get stamped in the database into TFS. No, you definitely should never store the assembly info files stamped into TFS. Right. People who do that. Exactly. It's just badness because it, it pollutes your source history. I know lots of people that do it, and it's an it's an anti-pattern as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the things they wanted me to do was to do that, and there was an internal talk about it, and basically it came down to, you know, the decision was made that, no, we're going to track them in a version file on the build server. So um, so it was a real interesting project because um, I, I hadn't done that for a while, and there are a lot of different um, – um, uh, solutions out there to do versioning, um, you know, auto increment your versioning and stuff like that. But there weren't a solution that met all my needs. So I was able to, I wrote a blog post on this and it's under, um, it's on uh, phacker at wordpress.wordpress.com. And it's the last blog post I put out. And it basically um, shows how I went through and, and created this build template that allows you to put in an increment number so you can increment it by none. You can just set your major, minor, build, and revision and not increment it. That'll be your number. Or you can actually increment it by two or four or three or whatever. 
and also with the path to the text file that you want to store your version number in. And uh, and so, yeah, if, if people are interested in that, I, I wrote a blog post on it, and I'd be glad to share the code. But like I said in the blog post, there's a lot of solutions already out there that do this. I just happen to take their ideas and enhance them. So I wasn't really do, doing a blog post on how to do it. It's more as to why I did it the way I did it and some of the little things I added in there to make it work the way I needed it to. Yeah, it'd be really good if you could just use the, um, you know, in Team Build, you can you get the revision number mm-hmm. and it, it it stamps it, you know, based on it's an it's an incrementing number that the build server stores for you and gives you as part of the build. Right. But the problem is, is that number um, is uh, int sixty four, is that right, or an int thirteen? And the and the the space you have in the version string is only an int sixteen or something. It's I remember it being a lot smaller than the build number. So yeah, it's really annoying that you can't just take out the variable you get from the build you know, right. just stick, stick it straight in I used to oh maybe that's, maybe that's right maybe you can I used to use uh, change set numbers for, for Java um, and I would I would actually split the uh, I would use the change set number as the final build number part because that way it gave me a really easy way of um, of hooking in you know the build to the actual what code it was built from uh, which is quite cool but then the problem with that is again the change set number was bigger than the number i had sure, <laughs> sure. so you end up having to use epochs to which is what we do in visual studio really we have um the visual studio well in, in microsoft the, the the build numbers the, the number right at the end tends to be uh date based from a particular epoch so uh yeah anyway uh, um yeah I, I i like it it's good uh, we should definitely do some more stuff in the server to help people with that but um yeah looky blog post good or also you could look at chapter 18 of the pro TFS book. It has some. It has some stuff in there, but it doesn't go as detailed as you do. So uh, probably read your blog post rather than buy the book. I reckon. Yeah, the book is great. Yeah, and and again, I didn't have the book with me, or I could have got it in PDF version, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just did it off the blog post from uh, uh, from Ewald and um, somebody else. I forget Brian. Yep. Brian, somebody. I forget his last name. It's all in my blog. <laughs> I, I I credited them with the with the all uh, their ideas. So, so I didn't take their ideas. Or Brian anything. Avery. Brian Avery. Yes, 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 yes. So yep. it was good. Cool. Um, so on top of that, I was actually selected to do a load testing talk at uh, St. Louis's Dave.net, which is in November over the course of the 14th through the 16th, which is like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think even a Sunday. Um, and so um, I'm going to be doing lo- load testing with TFS and Visual Studio. And and um, one of the things that's changed since I started doing load testing, if some people have done load testing with Azure, um, that's really what I'm focusing on is load testing in Azure. When you set up, um, before there was what they call the Azure Connect, and you had to set up Azure Connect, and you'd, you'd set up your Visual Studio to talk to Azure, and there was a little bit of a process involved there. Um, so they've really done away, Azure Connect is gone. They retired it, and they basically have now like um, point-to-site VPN or site-to-site VPN type of networking you can set up. But they also have in 2013 the ability for you to do load testing on their new load test service that's available with the TFS service. So... Um, Esteban Garcia, who's also a fellow MVP in the ALM space, has done a blog post on cloud-based load testing with TFS service. And, cool. and it's really cool because um, now, again, it, it solves the problem of hardware procurement, hardware costs. Um, again, you don't get a whole – I mean, you get enough to get going. You get a load, you get a load machine and you get up to 15,000 virtual users um, to start with. Um, but again, it's, um, and pricing is different. I think on base, they're going to talk about pricing in the future, but, um, uh, um, at this point, 
I don't think there's a charge for it. And um, other than maybe you could use it for Azure benefits to take advantage of that. Um, but it's really cool. So I would I suggest you go out to Esteban Garcia's. Um, it's a www.almguide.com. And he has his um, cloud-based load testing um, on the TFS service post up there. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Great. Well, just uh, speaking of uh, talks there, um, Adam Kogan, you know, he does the, the TV.SSW stuff, TV.SSW.com. And he, he has, they frequently have some interesting videos that they post up there. I think we covered one of them in a previous show. I've definitely been on an earlier episode of it, of it as well. And uh, one of the things he's done recently is he's posted, um, he looks like he gave a talk to his team or a group of people and, you know, he was sort of remote and they were asking him questions and it was all about what's new in ALM uh, for Visual Studio 2013 and Team Foundation Server 2013 and he's posted that video. Now, a little bit of a warning, it's a bit of an epic video. It's like <laughs> two hours long. So it's not it's not the video to watch as like a short pricey of what's new. And it, it but it's quite interesting to sort of see the style of work and things and you know kind of just have on in the background and have it as a like one of these osmosis things, you know. Like basically imagine that you're sitting in a um a brown bag and people are chatting about what's new and you're kind of sat, you know, working on your laptop or whatever listening in. So it's it's worth a listening. Don't don't uh definitely put it on while you're working in the background it's not something to sit down uh, with a cup of tea and watch because it's probably longer than lord of the rings or something like that well yeah it's good anyway <laughs> it's worth looking at and the yeah, tv.ssw.com yeah. is definitely worth watching keeping an eye on right on so um on that t- uh, 2013 thread um some people know that the RC has been released, and I've had some customers mm. asking me whether or not um, they should be upgrading to the RC, if they're going to upgrade to the when, – when's it going to RTM? When's it going to you know launch for sure so we can get ready for it? And and there's a blog post written by Buck Hodges. A lot of people know Buck. Um, and Buck actually wrote a blog post on how to take the RC 2013 TFS and use their go live licenses to use it in production. So if you're thinking about going to 2013 or you want to go to 2013 and now is an opportunity for you and your development schedule to be able to deploy it because you have a break or whatever, um, you can actually go ahead and deploy the RC and, you know, and then have it as a go live license for production use. And and as the uh, RTM comes down, you can move up to the RTM. But at least you'll have a supported uh, a TFS 2013 TFS server out there um, for you to work with. So it's just something to think about. Um, now's the time. Yeah, definitely. And the uh, RTM date is rapidly approaching for us for TFS 2013. So it's time. You know, it'd be great to get your feedback before we uh, press the uh, the you know press the play button on that DVD burner and start shipping out discs. So uh, yeah, it's coming up pretty pretty soon now. So yeah, please please do uh, give it a go if you can install the RC and give us some feedback. We'd we'd love to know. Especially the um, we get quite a bit of coverage on the TFS server from service. So it'd be really good to do TFS. But don't forget, you can install Visual Studio 2013 RC as well, and it and it works against TFS 2012 or the service version of TFS or whatever. Um, and it works perfectly hunky-dory side-by-side with Visual Studio 2012. And uh, so I, I really encourage you to, you know, even if you can't convince your admins to let you install TFS 2013 RC, which, hey, if you can't do that, why are you listening to this podcast? But anyway, <laughs> um, but, if, if you, but at least install Visual Studio 2013 RC. It's great. 
it's fast. It's Team Explorer is lovely. You can undock pending changes, which is like, yay. I'll tell you what, the, the single best reason to install Visual Studio 2013, if when you go to options, tools, options, whatever it is, you know the options thing. Yep. Um, and you have, yeah. that dialogue, you have that dialogue box with a bajillion options in. <laughs> You can search in it now. Oh, finally. Oh, that's even better than the resize, yep. I was, I was like, yeah, you can resize it, yay, and you can search in it. I can believe it. I was I was sat getting ready for a demo, and the first thing I had to do is like change my fonts to make them really big so you can project on the screen. And I hate doing it because I'm like, oh, I can never remember where this thing is. And, um, you know, and I normally like, and then I was just, I went in, there was a search button in, I typed font, I got to the font, and it was only when I was changing the font, I was like, oh, my God, there's a search bar there now. <laughs> you know? That's so cool. So definitely, upgrade to 2013 is the way forward. It's got color. Why would you not want to upgrade? It's like Visual Studio 2012, but in color. So it's brilliant. (laughs) Go for it. And if you guys want to play with 2013, but you just don't have the drive space, you don't want to deal with this, you're scared about an RC, even though there's a Go Live license. Uh, Bruno Tarkeli. That'll do. Uh, has got a great post on using those virtual, uh, using Azure MSDN benefits, which hopefully everybody knows that you're getting, you know, if you're an MSDN subscriber, you probably got something. Um, you can today, and just about, it'll probably take you longer to read his post than it will be to get you a working instance of Visual Studio 2013 Ultimate RC up and running. Um, his post will walk you through it. And, and I swear, it actually is about as fast. There's already virtual machines in the gallery for Visual Studio 2013 R2, um, R2, RC. Uh, so it's, I, I did this before when they announced, um, which was, I think at the end of this month, you know, the contest, the Austin Martin contest where, you know, you set up your Azure benefits, you create a virtual machine, you get entered in a contest to win a cool car. Uh, well, here's here's your chance. And not only do you get entered into the contest, but you get to play with the RC without any impact at all. And remember, you know, when you stop your virtual machine, you don't get charged for it. So you can fire it up, start it up, create it, play with it, um, and then turn it off and go on your way. Literally five to six minutes. If you've used Azure before, it'll take you just a tad bit longer. If you've used Azure, um, spinning up virtual machine really is fast. So uh, there's no other way that I would really recommend it if you want to just play with it quickly and you don't need necessarily connection to your on-premise TFS. Um, it's harder it's, you know, harder to make an easier way of getting to it. That didn't quite make any sense. But anyway. So does your company uh, pay for you to have an MSGN subscription, Greg? Do you have an MSGN yes. subscription? Yes, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and, again, Awesome, aren't they? There's really is good value. Like you know, you just do the like the adding the Azure benefit is amazing. Yep. It's just great. Yeah, and I, I you know was able to uh, sucker uh, convince them. You know, I got an ultimate. The rest of my team members, uh, they've got a premium, and you know, I, I keep telling them, you guys should do this. You guys should do this. You know, and they're all like, yeah, whatever, Greg. You're just Greg. Shut up. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Hey, anyway, it's about that time of the show. Yes, it is about that time. Huh? Um, Episode 67 of Radio TFS is brought to you by SAS Made Easy, a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com. I'm not going to spell it this time because you guys have heard me spell this all the time. It's pretty easy. It's sasmadeeasy.com, S-A-A-S, madeeasy.com. Doing it. 
Oh, now he says. Oh, yeah. Well, the sass. You never know. Because you might say sass is S-A-S. The sass. made easy. Um, or you can contact them at, at sales at sassmadeeasy.com. Um, and again, I got to uh, thank them and thank Paul for helping us bring the show to you guys. So back to the show. Yeah, you bet. And uh, thanks, Paul. So um, uh, Hossam Kamal did a great post. Um, I don't know if you've have, have you guys heard of Sonar at all? Have you used Sonar? It's quite popular over in the, the Java community. Um, and it's a great way of, you know, uh, doing some analysis of code and things. It, it's, it's a whole um, community around Sonar. And uh, I frequently had people um, come into me wanting to use um, Sonar with TFS. And it's, you know, it's, it's not too hard because um, it, it, it's triggered from using um, Ant tasks anyway. And, and TFS can just run Ant builds just fine. So, uh, you know, I've always gone, yeah, of course you can. And just you know, kind of moved on. But then Hazam came back with this fabulous blog post, and he, well, he actually wrote a big article that he emailed to me, and was like, "Hey, look at this. This is you know all about uh, posting this stuff. What do you think?" I was like, "That's amazing. We've got to post that as a blog post." And so he went back and he rewrote it as a, a blog post, and um, yeah, he's got it. We we published it on the ALM blog because it was so good. So if you want to go along to the ALM blog, um, the link will be in the show notes and read all about. Team Foundation server with Sonar, and if you haven't heard of Sonar and you don't have any Java people, then maybe it's not that interesting to you. But it's still it's still pretty pretty cool to go and have that investigate. So, a couple shows ago, we were talking about Code Lens, mm-hmm. uh, the new feature in 2013. And you know, at first, I didn't quite get it. Then the light finally came on. Uh, was that in the interview with Peter when the light came on? Was you it got actually it. absolutely. You when- heard it. You heard it when you heard the moment when the light went on. You were like, "I see." <laughs> <laughs> so you know it, that was cool. That was nifty. Um, but one of the things that I actually like better is how extensible Visual Studio is. Uh, in this post uh, by David Starr, he talks about a DevLabs project where they extend the um, health metrics, the, the code lens, and then they put in the uh, health metrics you can get in Ultimate. Uh, you know, like uh, maintainability, CRCs, uh, the the Halstead volume. volume. Very, very important <laughs> to know. Huh? So, you, so you get it basically red, yellow, green um, indicator as to how maintainable that method is without having to go and and, and manually uh, do the analysis. So just the fact that you can, you know, you can download it. It's free. It extends, um, and you can extend that. Code lens, I, I just think is is it's, it's a sign of a mature um, product because you know the, that mature product and that product group knows that they don't know everything. You know, so it, when they add that new feature and they say, okay, well we're adding this feature, but let's make sure that we add the extension points just like the Team Explorer had the extension points. Um, it, you know, this is that that same idea. So I think I was more excited to see that you could extend the code lens than. In this actual thing, because you guys and I know my code is, would always be green. Um, so yeah, or maybe I just don't want to install it because red scares me. But anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, go out and get it. It's free. It's downloadable. It only works with VB and C Sharp, which I ha- again have to applaud that they supported VB. VB is my first love. So um, good to see that. And it only shows up for methods. It, you know, it's beta. It's a Dev Labs thing, or not even beta. It's experimental. But give them it. There's a, you can give their feedback on the Visual Studio user voice page about it. Um, and there you go. Yeah, so so what da- else I mean, is- if, it's, 
David, David actually works on the team that did it as well. You know, David works for Peter on on this stuff, and so um, yeah, it's it's not like it's come from some random group. It's actually come from the guys that know what's going on, and it was quite a handy way of proving out does our extensibility model work? <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, it's um, r- really cool. And we had an interesting discussion uh, on Facebook, me and David, about um, maintainability. You know, maintainability scores and things, and making sure um you don't use these types of indices a bit like you use them to find smells in your code rather than um trying to get uh you know a really good score for everything does that make sense it's it's almost like um preemptive optimization of code yeah. you, you you don't want to you don't want to preemptively optimize your code until you know it works same with code maintainability um i, I i've uh, put you know shipping code is the code that wins often, so don't go too crazy on it. But obviously, code quality is obviously important. Don't yes. let me don't let me treat, say, say always. But that's um, like one of my favorite favorite sayings. You know, shipping is a feature. So shipping definitely is a feature. Yep. Definitely. Hey, um, over on uh, GitHub, Pete W. What's are you allowed Pete? to say GitHub, Martin? Of course I am. Uh, if it's open source, it's great source. Is all I can say. <laughs> so uh, Pete Weisbrod, I'll say. I reckon it, or is it what Weisbrod? How do you say it in American? Weisbrod is what I would say. But anyway, Pete um, has posted an excellent um, uh, TFS pivot viewer. And basically, if you want to use the power of power pivot and uh, not and what's the that's deep zoom. You never know, like deep zoom stuff but on work items you want to be able to zoom out get a picture of your work items and zoom all the way in and actually get down to the individual work items that uh then you can now it's so it's cool it's it's a bit like a kanban board but with deep zoom it's pretty amazing so uh, go and have a check out the project um and it's all uh, written in silverlight and um, allows you to zoom around all your work items and then it actually hooks into web access so you when you want to go click on the work item itself you know you just click on it and it opens up that work item in web access so it's pretty cool so there you go um yeah paul yeah so um interesting enough there's um some information on the web that are in the tfs install that most people don't actually know that's there when i talk to customers they're like oh really and that is the install and administration guides so um when you're working with tfs of you know you may you know, hire consultants to come in and they're going to do all the work and you don't really work, worry about reading the install guide or the admin guide. But so is this, the, is this the insider's trick, Paul? As somebody who gets paid to do this, all yeah, you basically do yeah, is download this and read it. Exactly, exactly. We just pull it up on one computer and work on the other one. Um, but, um, but it's it's good information for people that want to know how to administer TFS and haven't got the book or haven't got – this is free information basically um, that comes with the TFS install that you should take a look at. And if you're going to take it on yourself to do the install, which by all means, you know, you're welcome to do. Um, and it's easier than ever. You don't – like in the old days when we started yeah, TFS, you need you the install guide. install it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need. I needed the install guide back in the day, so oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it um, it wasn't friendly. But but yeah, so it's 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 gotten a lot better. But at least this gives you all the information you need, and you can download them. And there's a link on Microsoft.com/en/us/downloads. Basically, their download site. If you do a a Bing search on TFS install guides or admin guides, or just guide, go to the show notes. Or, yeah, look at the well. show notes. We're not doing links there. anymore. Remember? Yeah, there yeah. Show notes. So people go look at the show notes and you'll see where you can get those install and admin guides from. There's something else people need to do when they're admins, Paul, and that's 
back up their servers once you've got it installed? You know, that's something I get a lot of questions about. It's like, who should manage my backups? Should I? Should my SQL team? Should this team? Who should manage my backups? And and so basically, there's a blog post by, and I'm not even going to try. It's a new rag verma. I believe is how you say it. And um, it's on an MSDN blog, again, be in the show notes. But it's all about backing up your TFS 2012 server and best practices around that. It, it applies to 2010, and I'm sure it'll apply to 2013 um, in terms of what you should be doing to back up your TFS servers, your databases. Because you don't just have TFS databases. You have your, C, your SharePoint databases. You have report server stuff. So, I mean, you have more than just a TFS collection database and a configuration database to worry about. So um, his blog post goes through and talks about all this stuff. And um, again, um, take a look at the show notes. Go out there. If you're looking for best practices on how to back up TFS, that's where he's going to find some good information. And Anureg's actually, um, he's one of the support engineers for TFS. So, you know, he, he knows his stuff. Oh, let's nice. put it that way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth reading. Greg, we're getting towards the end of the show, but we haven't had a Rangers post yet. What's going on? Oh, well, you have to fix that, don't we? Luckily, speaking of documentation, the ALM Rangers have an updated TFS deployment planning guide, version 1.3 of the guide. This guide um, helps you define your TFS strategy, define your team project collection strategies, uh, the project strategy, team strategy, um, disaster recovery. You know, we were just talking about backups, uh, what to do with large and complex projects, real-world reference stories, and it's only actually about 109 pages. So it is not an overly huge PDF, um, but it's been updated for 2013 as well as 2012. They're going to be working on ebook versions of, of this guide. Um, you know, if you're thinking about upgrading, if you're thinking about 2012, let's say you're not on 2012, um, or if you already have been using this for forever, but your teams are changing, or you just got a question, or are you just looking for some good entertainment? This guy <laughs> from the ALM Rangers <laughs> is definitely the way to go. Well, the important thing as well, it is focused on TFS 2013. So coming up to, you know, we're coming up to upgrade season. So even if it's the upgrade to RC or the upgrade to RTM, it's if you're thinking about doing the upgrade, it's definitely worth and planning out that TFS deployment. It's so definitely worth having a read Do you through. think they versioned it with that in mind, V13 for 2013? Or did it just oh. happen that way? Oh. I, I tell you, if they did it deliberately, I'm amazed and I'll buy Willie Peter Sharp a beer and I see him. I strongly suspect it was mostly coincidence. So that's awesome <laughs> that they did it that way. So, uh, yeah, cool. That's brilliant. Well, I think that's hey. Yeah, it's definitely a show. So um, if you've got any questions or feedback, then please do email us, radiotfs at outlook.com, or you can send us a voicemail on 425-233-8379. That's 425-233-8379. I've just got one last shout-out before we go. Um, anybody in the Belfast or you know Northern Ireland or Ireland region, um, I'll be doing a .NET Rocks um, live, which is quite scary. Normally when I do a .NET Rocks, I'm sat in my pyjamas and the guy they're interviewing me so i'll actually be face to face with carl and richard um in belfast to do uh, so they've come to they've come to me for the first time this is amazing i'm quite honored so they're doing a big tour around the uk and ireland at the minute and uh, they're going to be doing a show in belfast and i'm a bit frightened because i'm like the star guest on the end so i'm a bit worried oh, nobody's wow. going to turn up 
if we have any listeners in Northern Ireland or Ireland, I would deeply appreciate you uh, taking the time to coming up to .NET Rocks. Now, I'll leave a link in the show notes to register and, and come watch the show. It'd be, just come along and laugh at all of Carl and Richard's jokes and, and me floundering on stage. It'd be fabulous. So that's it for the show. Thank you very much for your time, guys. And uh, we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS. 